Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. The Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He is a part of the Believe Podcasting Network at the Falcoholic. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is Will McFadden, who joins us. A little bit more insight, which is necessary on a Falcons team that comes in uh, to this weekend, still late in the season, a, a little bit nondescript. And Will joins us now. If you were going to talk about what is the absolute staple and the positive for this team right now and has been consistent this season, who, where has it been on this roster? Uh, it's definitely been the defense, and I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited uh, to talk about the uh, the matchup a little bit, but I think the way that you describe this team nondescript is is perfect because one of the big complaints uh, here in Atlanta is is that this team is really just kind of the same team that we saw in week one. Um, the big surprise kind of coming out of week one and out of the early part of the season was the defense, and that was kind of the big question mark this offseason after adding a bunch of veteran free agents highlighted by Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, it was really, all right, if that unit can be just kind of league average, which it hasn't been for a long time, if the quarterback play can just be kind of like league average, maybe even a tick below average, you would be able to survive and you'd be able to make a push for the playoffs because of your run game, because of your offensive line, because you still have talented skill players like Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and you add Bajan Robinson, and none of that has manifested. But the most consistent part of this team this year has also been kind of the biggest surprise. It's just that in light of everything else, the defense is now taken for granted when almost you know 16 weeks ago, that would have been insane to think. But the defense is playing so well. They are really good on third down. They are time and again put in difficult situations and come through when the offense puts them in a, in a short field. I mean, the Falcons have not allowed a touchdown in three of their last four games. I cannot remember at all the last time that that was true about an Atlanta defense. So going into this matchup and all throughout the year, it's been the defense that really has been the calling card for Atlanta. So Will McFadden joins us from the Believe Podcasting Network, covers the Falcons here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And I want to give a, a bit of an update, Will, before I get back to you on the rest of, of the Falcons and this matchup on Sunday, is that Michael Pittman Jr., he cleared concussion protocol. So things are looking good. However, he is questionable on Sunday as it stands on the injury report right now with a shoulder. So hopefully what we were talking about earlier, him always being good to go and counted on, happens coming up on Sunday because there is no doubt that is a necessity. How does this Falcons defense look at this Colts offense? And in particular, let's just say, for example, he does play. That's Michael Pittman Jr. Let's just say, for example, Jonathan Taylor is back. How does this Falcons defense, in your estimation, view this Colts offense coming to this game on Sunday? 
I think they view it uh, as a unit that, you know, has a lot of different options and, and has a lot of ways to win one-on-one individual matchups, especially on the outside, right? Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, like those guys can, can definitely play some, some basketball, some volleyball downfield, which is not dissimilar to what we've seen Atlanta kind of savor when they're acquiring wide receivers, right? You have big bodies and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Matt Collins, who they brought in this offseason. And so I think you look at the Colts very much the same way. And I'm really curious if Michael Pittman does play. I would expect you know, not necessarily A.J. Terrell to shadow him, but I would expect to see a good bit of A.J. Terrell on Michael Pittman. And the one receiver who really has kind of given A.J. Uh, the biggest problems throughout his career has been Mike Evans. And, you know, they, they are different players in some ways, but there are a lot of similarities between Michael Pittman and Mike Evans. And the Falcons did play a great game um, against Mike Evans the last time that they played Tampa. He only had one catch for eight yards. But this, again, is a type of receiver that is given – A.J. Terrell specifically, uh, a good amount of trouble in the past. But by and large, I mean, I think if if Jonathan Taylor is back, the Falcons have been a good kind of run and hit defense, and they make it hard for teams to really sustain these drives down the field. However, the way that offenses have been able to move the ball has kind of been just running it right up the middle, especially as the defensive line, starting with Grady Jarrett being out for the year, but also David Onyemata missing some time recently. They've been kind of gutted in the uh, defensive interior. So Jonathan Taylor coming back would be huge, but maybe the biggest X factor is just Gardner Minshew. I mean, the kind of plays that he's able to make, I can't remember if it was a third down play or or what against um, Pittsburgh, where he just kind of scrambled out of the pocket down to his right, found um, a receiver down to the right sideline, made a big play to convert and, If you look at the teams that have beaten Atlanta this year, Minnesota, Arizona, Tampa Bay, like these quarterbacks who are able to buy time, get outside of the pocket, and really create out of structure have hurt Atlanta, especially late in games this season. So that's kind of maybe the biggest concern if I'm Atlanta's defense is how do we stop Gardner Minshew from kind of pulling the the ejector cord on a play and then making something else happen? So, Will McFadden, the Believe Podcasting Network, covers the Falcons. Kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, you implement earlier this week Taylor Heineke, um, certainly not a first-time starter. I believe he has three starts this season with Atlanta for Desmond Ritter. What type of difference, both good or bad, would you expect or influence would you expect to have on that game offensively for the Falcons Sunday? I I don't know if the overall look of Atlanta's offense is going to change too, too much. Um, I think you're still going to see a team that incorporates the run a lot, does a lot of kind of the pre-snap motion. The biggest thing is you'll, you'll notice just guys getting to different spots, especially around the offensive line and line of scrimmage. So whether that's a fullback or a tight end or, you know, a pulling guard, they get to certain blocks in just kind of unusual ways, which is why I think last year we saw Atlanta have so much success in the run game. I, I think this year teams are a little bit more prepared for it, so you're not seeing um, the same level of success. So I, I don't think you're going to see just because a new quarterback is in there 
like none of that stuff. They're still going to be kind of tight formations, fullbacks in the backfield, Atlanta looking offense. The biggest difference I think you'll see is that at age 30, like we know what Taylor Heineke is. There is no trying to kind of manage his confidence, manage his growth. I would expect the Falcons to come out and have a game plan that lets it rip a little bit. You know, they're still technically in the playoff hunt, but really after losing to Tampa Bay and then losing to Carolina last weekend in what is maybe one of the lowest moments in, I feel like, Falcons, at least amongst the fan base, if not like internally, it it was uh, just a real gut-wrenching loss to lose last weekend to Carolina because it essentially has ended their playoff hopes. They're still technically alive, but... I would expect them to kind of come out and just say, look, we got a swing. They felt very tight offensively. So part of the reason I believe that they went away from Desmond Ritter is, is not only is, are his turnovers just absolutely killing the Falcons, like that has been the defining storyline this season is, is Desmond Ritter's turnovers in crucial situations. So you don't have that stigma with that quarterback anymore. You switch to Taylor Heineke, who's a little bit, you know, in that mold of the Gardner Minshews that I was talking about of the Baker Mayfield, like that type of gunslinger junior. And uh, I think that they're just going to maybe come out and try to play a little bit looser than they have recently. But I would expect the offense to still kind of look pretty similar. All right. Uh, I'm kind of curious regarding Arthur Smith. And I'm sure that that is a point of conversation down in Atlanta. Where are you with Arthur Smith being the head coach of this team next year? Boy, is it. It is the number one conversation uh, down here in Atlanta. And so my co-host on Believe in Falcons, uh, Ovi Mahaley, former fullback for the team and and the Ravens as well, he is pretty firmly in the, like, let's just move on from everybody, start over, uh, you know, let's get a clean slate. I am. I think I put a lot of stock in what I saw from Arthur Smith the first two seasons when the Falcons weren't really supposed to be anything. They were just supposed to be rebuilding to this year, and then you kind of get the financial relief, and you can remake this team in the way that you want to. So a lot of people were looking at year three as truly year three. In my mind, this was always kind of year one of what they actually wanted to create. And so I look at more of, of year one and two as, wow, you guys did a lot with a little. And so I, I think I'm not willing to necessarily throw that all away just because you, you had a down year this year and a year where you definitely underperformed and playoffs were the expectation. But in my mind, I just kind of see the number of turnovers that Desmond Ritter had, kind of the lack of growth offensively, but I do believe the quarterback had a big hand in all of that. And so all of that kind of balances out and, and weighs out to me to just say, let's, let's give him one more year because I think you have two years of positives and one year of kind of disappointment, but that is easily kind of explained away from just being the coach's fault. Even though if you ask anybody on the streets here in Atlanta, they would say that everything is Arthur Smith's fault. I've seen a lot of people making excuses for Desmond Ritter, which personally I don't get. I have watched Desmond Ritter in training camp. I've watched him at practice. I've watched him warming up for games. I have watched him on game day. Like I have a pretty good sense of the type of player he is. I just think it ended up not working out at the quarterback position for Atlanta, but I still think that Arthur Smith is a quality head coach who 
I believe deserves one more year and they need to figure out the quarterback position this off season, but let him do like, let him make that decision knowing that it's a do or die, not just, Hey, we we've got Desmond Ritter. Let's see what he, what we've got. Hey, well, you mentioned that defense being their calling card that you can count on so far this year and the Colts, Seven and three this year when they, they rush for 70 yards or more. Is that going to be obviously the lean is to take that away and to see if, if Gardner Minshew and Shane Steichen calling the place can beat you with the arm? You know, it's, it would seem that way, right? But I, I kind of think the Falcons have been an interesting defense. They're, they're a little bit of a, like a full count Defense is, is how I like to describe them, where they're going to deliver their best stuff on third down, right? You may be able to get a, a eight-yard gain on first down, but they're going to probably hold you for no gain, and you're going to be in a third and two, and then they're going to get off the field. And even we saw the Panthers on one of their opening drives go for it on a fourth and one, and they stonewalled them in the backfield. And, and that has not been uncommon for Atlanta's defense. So I kind of think that Atlanta would be a little bit happier allowing the Colts to try to work these longer drives, these kind of 12 play 75 yard drives, as opposed to, you know, selling out to stop the run. They do like to play man defense. So that kind of, you know, could, that's why they're able to defend the run a little bit better while also focusing, you know, maybe some of their efforts on the coverage. But I, I think that they would be a little more afraid that an explosive play would get behind them and allow an easy touchdown. And they've really tried hard not to allow easy touchdowns this year. So that makes me think that they may be a little, even knowing that number and knowing the Colts record with, with 70 plus rushing yards, they may say, all right, we respect Gardner Minshew. You know, we respect Michael Pittman and the receivers and, and just kind of the options here. Let's, let's see if, if Jonathan healthy or Jonathan Taylor truly is healthy and go from there. So, you know, it, it'll be, there, there are options all around for Atlanta's defense. To me, the key question defensively for Atlanta is like how much buy-in is there still there from that group? Because this group has played yeah. well all year long. Like I said, they've allowed only one touchdown in, in one of their last four games. And so this is a team that, or a unit that has a lot of pride, but also if they're out of playoff contention, you know, they've given it their all for, 15 weeks now, how much longer is that going to stay? Um, or at what point do they kind of say, all right, this season's over? Um, not saying they'd pack it in, but I, I think you get where I'm kind of coming from. Yeah. Hey, well, really quick, i got to hit a break here, but what's the crowd going to look like there Christmas Eve afternoon Ooh, in Atlanta? That's a great one. You know, I was surprised by the crowd coming off of Thanksgiving, but that was the yeah. Saints. And that was coming off of the bye week. So I would expect a little bit of a smaller crowd than usual. It's not going to be as small as, as the one we saw in Carolina last week where they were giving out tickets for 48 cents. Uh, it's not going to be that small, but it, it, it may be a little bit underwhelming. Will, I appreciate you very much. Keep doing what you're doing on that Believe Podcasting Network. And thanks for shedding a little bit of light, which, frankly, people needed around here regarding that Falcons team. Have a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, and enjoy the game coming up on Sunday. Will, thank you. Thank you so much. Happy to do it anytime, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Friend Don Fisher. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And uh, how could you possibly slight your brother from another mother? I can't believe you did that. <laughs> hey, he sent me a text all pissy about it. I gave a rundown of who I had on, 
He goes, hey, dumb. I think he called, he called me a bad name. Said, you forgot to mention me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, hey, our table tonight for you, Don? Is that what we're doing? No, we are not doing that tonight. Unfortunately, mm. I had a little procedure done on my hand today, and uh, oh. I'm supposed to keep my my hand elevated above my heart, so <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying home. So <laughs> what happened with your hand? What's going on? Oh, I had a little a tr- uh, thing called a trigger finger a problem that I've had for about eight. Well, actually, it's been almost a year, a little over a year. Um, and it doesn't kill me or bother me all that much, except it's just getting sore and stiffer every day that I let it keep going. So I finally got it done. It only took me about a year to get it done. <laughs> are, are you feeling good, though, after the procedure? Oh, I don't feel bad. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Wow. See, when I, I, when I say I have a problem with my hand, it means something completely different. So, completely. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going there. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you got to keep your hand elevated. How, how are we doing this? You just kind of hold, are you like a mannequin or something like that? You just kind of hold that thing up? You got it propped against something? Yeah. What are we doing? Pretty much. Uh, that would be the scenario. I'm pretty much. You're doing like, the, you're my... doing like the J.J. Evans pose that you did on Good Times, you know, with that hand kind of out like that. What are you doing? Yeah, all you got to do, you know, all you have to do is just make sure you can actually hold your your arm up to your chest with your elbow below your heart and your hand above your heart. You're fine. You can uh, do it that way, or you could sit here like I do on the couch on the pillow on my couch, and I just hold my hand there in like the little L position, like I'm taking a backswing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Swing. <laughs> I'm thinking that I could come by and get you. And I could, we could go to our table. You could prop that up on the table. I think bourbon would do something good for you right now. A couple of them. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not going to take that chance. Oh, I understand. I understand. Uh, well, you know what? The, the best to you. It's a great time to have that, though, because then everybody can come to you on Christmas, and you can be comfortable and get, get past that and uh, finally get that procedure done. Hey, next time, don't wait as long next time, okay? Don't procrastinate with stuff like that. We can't have it. I'm, uh, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to the uh, dullest pencil in the box, the most unsharpened of pencils in the box right here. Uh-huh. Hey, um, I, what did you make of, of last night in, in terms of when I brought it up earlier with IU and their one over North Alabama? The only thing that really stands out to me is the fact, much like the Pacers against Charlotte the other night at home, it was just the type of game in a win, but the type of game that was necessary for IU last night. That's how I felt, I guess, as an end result. What were you feeling about it? I thought exactly the same thing. I, I felt like we hadn't played any mid-major this year like that. We had basically uh, had to battle our butts off just to find a way to win the ball game. And when I say we, I'm talking about Indiana. Uh, they simply had to play hard. Uh, just to win those first three ball games of the season against the mid-majors. We're talking about Army and Wright State and, and uh, Florida Gulf Coast and whoever. Um, they, and they, they didn't dominate anybody at that point. And last night, I'm not saying that they completely dominated the team that they played in North Alabama, but they played them much better than they had any other mid-major so far this year. 
And I guess the other thing I would take from it was the fact that they were able to knock down eight threes in the ball game and 50% shooting from the three-point line, which for this team has been unheard of. So I was excited about those two things. Yeah. Um, who's impressed you the most consistently this season so far? We normally kind of make a mark, maybe draw a line in the proverbial sand this time of year and wonder you know, who and how the team is doing. You could really get a good gauge where we are right now. But who above anybody else has stood out to you on that roster? Without question, Malik Renew, and I think I said this to you last week or the week before, that I, I just think Malik is the most improved player on this ball club from a year ago. He has, without question, he's been the one guy that has been consistently tough, that's a good, good scorer. I think he plays hard at the defensive end, not smart all the time, but he plays hard at the defensive end. His footwork inside is terrific, and he does a great job with inside play when he gets those opportunities. And then last night, he knocks down four threes of that ball game and, and equals a season high and career high with 25 points. So uh, he's had the 25 twice now uh, in this per- early part of the year. And so from that perspective alone, I think Malik has been the most consistent player on this team. He still gets into too many foul issues and, and makes some pretty seriously dumb plays sometimes away from the basketball. But uh, I give Malik a lot of credit. He has really improved over the last year as a freshman in Indiana, which sometimes freshmen are not going to be great. Certainly last year he started out pretty nicely, and then he kind of plateaued for the rest of the year until maybe the last two weeks of the season. But but this year, everything from my perspective is he's been the most consistent player on the floor. Yeah, I'd agree with you. That's somebody, if you're going to count on somebody, he certainly has been that guy counted upon so far this year. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I do want to go back to last week. You and I were having a conversation about, you know, who you thought was the most important going into that Kansas game. And, and, and you said Mbako, and that turned out to be 100% accurate, especially at the beginning. I mean, he started out like a house of fire. And I, I had mentioned yeah. Anthony Walker. And although in that game he was not prominent, I will give him credit. I think it took me at least one more game against Moorhead State for Walker to play that type of role that I thought he could. I, I, I wish, and I know you could do this for a lot of things in sports. You wish you could bottle something. I wish he could consistently bottle a level of play like that. Because I do think that his time on the floor and what he can add would be meaningful in making this team better. You agree? Well, I, I do think that Anthony has been the best guy off the bench. And when you talk about somebody that's come off the bench and played well in almost every ball game, I would have to point to him as being the one guy that's done that uh, so far this year. But he didn't have a great ball game uh, against Kansas, obviously. He had, I think, just three right. points in that contest. But again, if you look at that roster uh, and what Indiana did from the minutes perspective, he didn't get a lot more playing time than anybody else on the team uh, that wasn't a starter. That, that, that's one of the ball games where Indiana played the starters most of the contest. Um, so I, I take that game as kind of a one that you can't really count in regard to, to Anthony Walker. But he has been the one guy that's come off the bench consistently, made plays, done things, whether it was scoring rebounding or, you know, playing really good defense. I think he has done all of those things pretty well as a bench player this year. And I still think that this team has other guys that can step up. We still haven't seen Caleb Banks break out. We haven't seen C.J. Gunn except for maybe one ball game 
play the way we thought he was capable of playing so far this year. Um, and right now, that's a real, the bench is a question mark on this ball club. Uh, I mean, Gabe Cups, of course, should be coming off the bench with Xavier Johnson being out. He's had to start here in the last about five games now or six. But uh, and, and I think he gave us played really well. But you can't put that kind of a, a pressure on a freshman, uh, especially in this situation with guys that you didn't expect it to be on the floor as much as he's been on the floor. So uh, from my perspective, uh, if you're talking about a bench guy at this point, you're talking about Walker. And if you're talking about a starter, you're talking about Rendu. Yeah. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers with us. You get Kennesaw State on the 29th and then the rest of the Big Ten campaign is officially underway. So at Nebraska, Ohio State, at Rutgers, and then Minnesota before the 16th, uh, facing number one right now, Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, all top 25 teams. Now, if you're IU, you can't overlook anybody. You're just not good enough right now to overlook anybody. But I would suggest this, Don, and I'm curious your opinion on it too. If if you have the capability – of changing what a lot of people think about you, getting off to a good start with that first four-game schedule that I mentioned would seem to be as important as anything. There's no doubt. And we're going to find out some things real early in the Big Ten season because the first game in Big Ten play after they get through with Kennesaw State, and Kennesaw State's not a bad ball club, incidentally, uh, even though they might be a mid-major, too. But if you remember last year, they gave Indiana a heck of a ball yep. game, and they got several of those kids back. And I've got a different coach, but they apparently are playing pretty well right now. I think they're like 8-3 and three or 9-3 and three or something like that at this point. So they're going to be a challenge, I think, before Big Ten play, which is probably a good thing. And hopefully Xavier is back by then. But when you look at that first game, that Nebraska game at Nebraska – and you look at what Fred Hoiberg's team has done this year and how they are playing, this is not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. And so the challenge, of course, is always bigger on the road than it is at home. And on top of that, Nebraska, I think, is playing much better than they have since Fred Hoiberg got there. Without doubt, this is his best ball club, at least in my mind it is, based on what I've seen and heard. So I think this is going to be a big challenge, and I think that first game on the road is going to be, I don't want to say pivotal, but it's going to be important. And I think if Indiana could somehow pull that one out, that confidence level might rise pretty significantly for a Hoosier nation that is right now questioning whether this team has got it put together at this point. You know, and you're right. And then it goes a different direction if you don't win, if you're disappointing. And that's just, you really can't consider anything with the way IU has played even at home, you know, you, you consider Moorhead State the other night. You, you know, you look back at, at Army, you know, even Florida Gulf Coast. I know we're going far back here, but th- there's reason to have doubt in all this. That's why I think that you, you get an opportunity if you really want to take advantage of something before you go against three top 25 quality teams in the conference is, is, is try as best you can to take advantage of those first four games. I'm not, again, considering they're, they're not winnable in terms of, of just saying, well, it's IU and they're going to win those, but they're winnable in terms of level of competition and expectation, I guess, until IU proves otherwise. I just think those four games are really important and mark a, a really serious point, I think, in this season to start the Big Ten again for Mike Woodson and company. 
I agree. I do. I think I do think they're hugely important. I don't think there's any question about it. And right now, if you look at this league, I, I still think it's. I don't think it's as good as it has been in the past. I know that there's an argument to be made that here in this last week or so, we've seen a couple of teams really emerge a little bit more than than what they had been for a couple of weeks themselves. And I'm talking about Michigan State being one. They certainly have looked better in the last couple of weeks or the last week and a half or so. Uh, Illinois is playing really well right now. Ohio State's playing really well. Wisconsin is a better team than they were a year ago. Uh, Northwestern has proven they could be <laughs> beat a really good team on a given day, and they certainly did when they knocked off Purdue. Um, this is not going to be easy, uh, and I still think that this team that Indiana has has a chance to really become a much better ball club than what they've showed consistently so far this year. And the consistency so far has been that they're inconsistent. <laughs> they have just not been a consistent ball club. So hopefully they can they can draw some confidence if they can come out and get a good start here in, in Big Ten play. And the good news is they were able to win the two Big Ten games they played here in December, which was hugely important. Hey, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. Normally when you, when you ask a question like I'm about to ask you, the first thing that's brought up is, well, three-point shooting. They don't have shooters. All right, let's take that out of the equation for a moment. Let's think about one thing besides three-point shooting that you want to see become consistent prioritize that consistency to make them a better team once the Big Ten is underway? Other than, again, three-point shooting. What is that? I think it's defense. I, I think this team has to play a better defense than they've been playing so far this year. And I'm saying that because I, I've seen spurts. I've seen at times they can really, I mean, take the last eight minutes of that in the Moorhead State game. Now, Moorhead State's not a superstar team, but they're a good basketball team. And they have won the games they were supposed to win, and they've lost the games that they weren't supposed to win. But they gave Indiana more trouble than than anybody else uh, that's been a, from a mid-major perspective so far this year. And, and, and why was that? Well, did Indiana come out with uh, no energy? Absolutely. There wasn't much energy coming out in that, bat, in that game against Moorhead State. Was that a letdown over the loss to Kansas? Well, I don't know how it could be. You ought to be able to come back out and say, we ought to have fire in our eyes. We just had two straight losses here. We've got to get back in the win column. And that should be enough uh, of an adrenaline pump besides the crowd that was on there that night because that crowd was really good for Indiana, uh, especially against Kansas. And then even against Moorhead State, that, that crowd carried this ball club in the early going of that game because it wasn't Indiana's energy that was carrying. It was the crowd. And the fact that they were down 15 with eight-plus minutes to go, that shows me, and, and they did not allow but two baskets the rest of the way by Moorhead State when they came back. That tells me they can play defense. They, they've got it. I mean, they've done that before this year. Um, so this, I think the biggest thing we're talking about right now is this team has to have some identity, and if that identity is not three-point shooting or it's not going to be superstar offense or whatever the case may be, Defense yeah. is your story. And if your defense isn't good, you're not going to beat anybody in this league anyway. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, uh, coming back from a hand procedure. Feeling good right now. Hopefully you on any meds? Uh, I, took ty- or some, I took some Advil. That was it. Yeah. I can't do pain medicine. It makes me throw up. Is that right? So, Yeah. I guess that's a good thing, though, right? 
you don't really well, want to do it or have to know, do it. I, so. don't, I, I don't like drugs anyway. I mean, I, I take ibuprofen for just about any problem that I've got in that sense. If, yeah. if I have a problem, right. then I don't have many. That's the good news. The good Lord takes care of fools and idiots, and I'm a combo platter. So, anyway, <laughs> we're good. Hey, <laughs> right, Kurt Signetti. What's your impression on the IU coach, uh, the new football coach? My man, my man is at, he's like a buzzsaw, right? So I far, love it. I love this guy. I'm not kidding you. I mean, this guy has so much energy. I'm telling you, and I, I'm not. I'm not saying he's the same personality, but he's got the same vibe as Terry Hepner had. Yep. And I yep. and I say that with reverence because I absolutely, if you know me, you know I love Terry Hepner to death. I thought he was one of the finest people I'd ever been around, and I loved his ability to be a Pied Piper type guy from a recruiting standpoint. And I thought he was a really smart football coach. And obviously, he didn't last at Indiana uh, past the second year because of the brain tumor that he had, and and uh, and, and the, the good Lord took him in uh, in June of that next year, and obviously. We only had it for two seasons, but those two seasons to me were special because you could just feel that there was something different about Indiana football. And I've gotten that same vibe here early with uh, with Kurt Signetti. I, I think this guy is a really good football coach. I think his record speaks for itself. Uh, you don't win every place you've been and never have a losing season if you don't know what you're doing. And he obviously has a formula. And he puts that formula to work. And, and what we've seen with his recruiting here in the early part of the season, it has been nothing but special in my mind. If you look at the kids he's gotten, the guys he got to come back, uh, and he's not taking everybody back. He's already said that. Um, and it's all about winning with him. And uh, he's done nothing but do that in his career. So uh, I'm just I'm elated to see him. Uh, he makes me laugh when I watch his press conferences. Um, because he's very succinct in what he says, and he believes exactly what he says. So I like a guy like that, and I think he's going to be special um, without you. And and I think it would stand to reason this is true, and I don't want anybody to get the impression that this is who I believe he is going to be, not in any sense, because there is so much work to be done between that and where he is is right now. And I agree with you regarding Terry Hepner. That's something we had talked about when he was first hired. I had him on – you know, his first day in Bloomington, and that's exactly who I thought of. But I also, because of his time spent with Nick Saban, I detect a little bit of Nick Saban in him <laughs> and the way that he answers questions with the reporters out there. I, I, I mean, you close your eyes, and you can tell he's been around that guy a little bit, as he has. I, I knew exactly who you were going to say. <laughs> I, I was thinking in my mind as soon as you started talking, I yep. knew exactly who you were going to say. And I can't argue with that. I think he's got a little bit of that in him. I don't think there's any question about it. But, and I don't, I don't know Nick Saban well. I, I've, been, I've never been in a press conference with Nick Saban. Uh, uh, I did try to interview him, I think, when he was the head coach at Michigan State a couple of times. I don't think he would have me. <laughs> so, but but I, I do know that I've, I've seen a couple of his press conferences. And, yeah, I – he, he he's a guy, and I'm talking about Signetti now. He's a guy that has just a tremendous amount of confidence about what he's doing, and I think that's what you have to have if you're a head coach. I mean, does anybody doubt that Bob Knight had tremendous amount of confidence in what he was doing? <laughs> 
So I've been around guys like that, and uh, which obviously Knight was one of the greatest of all time from a college yeah. basketball perspective, and my mind still is the greatest of all all time. But and I'm talking about coaching now, not necessarily personality. <laughs> yep. But but again, yeah. I'm talking about what I see in this guy, and there is definitely something there that I think is special. And there's an it factor in basketball players, and football players, and baseball players. And there's an it factor in coaching, and I kind of think this guy's got the it factor. Yeah, like Kevin Wilson had confidence, but it was a different air of confidence. It was like he was at times anointed because of the program that he had success in prior. And I I think that Signetti acts like that, that he knows that he does have to sell himself right now, and he does that well. But he also, he's not going to suffer with any fools conversationally. I mean, no. he's just not. It's funny. Don, I like to listen to guys that I really haven't heard a lot of. I did the same thing with, with Shane Steichen. I listened to a conversation that he had, and I'm glad I did because, you know, he answers with, with five-word answers. It's like, yeah. yes, I think we're good. And you have to be, as you well know more than I would, you have to be loaded up with two and three questions down the road because you know these are guys are going to be short. And with Signetti, you know that he has a really distinct BS detector. So if you try to BS him, he's going to call you out for that. And I, I kind of dig that a great deal. I mean, he wants you to be well-read when you talk to him, whether it's the yeah. first interview or the last one. Yep, yep. I, 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 think he's, I think he's exactly that. I think he does not suffer fools, and there, there are a lot of them in our business. <laughs> Uh, but but you know I, I think you're right and and I don't know what else I could say about him at this point because I haven't seen him coach yep. a game so you know all right. I can tell you is yep. what I'm feeling and when I hear him speak I feel certain ways and when I hear him speak I like what I'm hearing. It it is not fake and that when you bring up Terry Hebner there was nothing fake he was a, he was genuine maybe the most yep. genuine person that had been around there, especially all these, there have been nice guys, but I'm talking genuine, and that's what Signetti feels like to me. He is genuine, like it or not, that's who he is, and that's where we're going. Yep, exactly. So So, I'm I'm with you on that, and uh, I, I, I don't, I can't expound anymore on him because I haven't been around him enough to know. Yeah. But Uh, Have you talked to him yet? At length? I have not. No, I have not. I have not met him. Uh, he has been so busy, and I don't want to bother him while he's busy. That's number one. Number two, I was set up for an interview that I was going to do for the website, for the IU website, and that fell through on the day that he had his opening press conference. So, in, because he was whisked away from that press conference, I never got a chance to just shake his hand and say hello. Um, and I know since that point in time, it has been nothing but a whirlwind for that guy as he has explained a couple of times now here in the last couple of times that we've had a press conference or heard from him on a Zoom call, that type of thing. So yeah. uh, I just haven't been in there to bother him and, and really haven't had a lot of time to do that anyway. So he's been busy. I've been busy. I know he's gone right now. He's uh, back home, I think, or back in James Madison area to uh, wrap up all the things that he has to do from a personal standpoint. Uh, and so I don't think he'll be back until early January, and then we will have a chance to meet. And I will have a chance to interview him, and we'll obviously have a chance to talk. Ah, oh, man. And then, you know, you get that. When you get uh, the former Pac-12 
12 schools in here. You get more travel. You're excited about that, aren't you? Getting to go out west that far on a on a weekend or a basketball-wise on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. You're pretty excited about that. You just have to bring up something really, really negative, Doc. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, I was going to go with NIL or Transfer Portal, but we've done that before. <laughs> yeah, we've done that. Yeah. We might as well bring up another thing that I'm negative about. <laughs> hey, take care of that hand, all right? So oh, yeah. Do that. Take take care of that hand. And, uh, yeah, Kennesaw State on the 29th, and then you start the Big Ten season, obviously, um, with Nebraska on the road. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Since you're recovering, make sure that the fam comes to you. You don't go to them, okay? You stay relaxed. Keep the hand up. They're coming to you. <laughs> well, they, that's always the case on Christmas. They, they, my side of the family comes to our house on Christmas Eve, and Susie's uh, side of the family comes to the house on Christmas Day, and we have two days of houseful. <laughs> so it, it's a lot of fun, and they're all here. we got grandkids and great-grandkids and nephews and nieces and all kinds of stuff, so it's a good time. Yeah, I got to I got to go down to GC on uh, when do I go down? Oh yeah, after the uh, pregame show coming up on Sunday down there. So we had a, we had an argument this morning, me and my mom, because uh, she uh, she's complaining about dogs coming up to her house, and I said they're going to knock you down. And then uh, I said, you know, they probably wouldn't come around if you wouldn't go out there and drop food out there. There's a reason why they're coming around. <laughs> <laughs> and she got all pissed and hung up on me. <laughs> well, you knew that you shouldn't have probably said that, right? Uh, there are so many things. I can't tell you how I tiptoe walk on eggshells with so many of my conversations, and that's at the top of the list right there. I, I think well, about – remember I said a little bit earlier about thinking when you're talking to somebody short like Shane Steichen – three and four questions down the road. That's yeah. how I do that with her and others too, but especially her. I go, okay, where is this going to lead and how badly do I want to talk about it? So every time. Well, I understand that completely. The problem is if I was talking to a coach, uh, especially the talk show, I've got to start filling time here, boys and girls, and I don't know how much of that time I can fill. Well, I, so I I'm glad when I did Shane Steichen – yeah, I know what you mean to. I did Shane Steichen. I'm glad I listened. I heard him do an interview someplace else, and I go, holy crap, I would not have been ready. And I was ready, in a sense, you know, for Q&A, but not ready for a window of time that you have to fill also during that, that Q&A because he is, so, he is so short. And there's some guys who like that. And um, it's called prep. I rarely, really want to do it, but I'm glad I did it in that sense. Or I'd have been in trouble. <laughs> Prep is the only thing we got going for us, boy. <laughs> Other than that, I am 100% replaceable, and I realize that, Don. Thank you. <laughs> ah, buddy, have a great holiday, you and the fam there. We'll catch up again next Friday. We'll welcome in a new year and uh, talk up this Hoosier team, both sides of it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, John. Merry Christmas to you and yours. It's a Merry Christmas to Don Fisher right there. Christmas Eve as a part of the Colts and the Falcons down in Atlanta. Adam Amin joins us. Hey, Adam, thank you for the time. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. How are you? All is well, my friend. Same to you and yours, man. Really appreciate it. 
I hope you weren't on hold when I was complaining about my mom hanging up on me, man. My bad if you were. You didn't You didn't you know, need to be privy to that I story. I didn't hear it, but we, who among us hasn't been in that situation before, right? Where, like, yeah. I, I've had the same spot happen before. She gets a little confused, or she looks at the phone, she thinks she's talking to me, and then she hung up the phone. Like, we've all been in that spot before. It's okay. Yeah, she she she's got like I live in a or I grew up in a rural area in southwestern Indiana. She still lives there on forty acres, and she got dogs coming down there, and they're going to knock her sure. down. She's seventy eight. They're going to knock her down the yard, and I go, hey, we got to do something about this. And then I find out that she's feeding them. So I mean, hell, no wonder they're showing up down there. So this is, that was the perfect encapsulation for you and I. To, to, to bond right there about our about our mom's lack of uh, understanding of technology at times, brother. Oh, God, it just – I called somebody and go, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. But anyway, yeah, I'm glad you can relate to that, Adam. Um, relate the Falcons to the Colts, two teams seemingly going in different directions right now in that matchup you got the call of on Fox here locally on Fox 59 coming up on Sunday. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this today. Look at the quarterback situation itself, right? Uh, and I know you're, you're absolutely right. You know, Colts have won five of six, and Falcons have lost two games that they absolutely should not have lost uh, because of some poor uh, mistakes on both sides of the football. Defense against Tampa, and then uh, the dreadful interception late in the game that Desmond Ritter threw against Carolina. But the storylines are very similar, right? Two teams fighting for a playoff spot. Atlanta's trying to get back into it. Colts are trying to hold on. Taylor Heineke is going to step in now, a quarterback this week for the Atlanta Falcons, which is a big story. A guy who's kind of been in some of these spots before. You know, he's been in a playoff game. He started a playoff game a few years back for Washington against Tampa Bay. He was in a similar situation last year when he had to step in for the injured Carson Wentz when Washington was fighting for a playoff spot. And then he got benched uh, for, for Wentz when Wentz came back and he ended up losing a game. So it's, it's fascinating to see. Gardner Minshew in almost a similar spot, a guy who wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, is not one of the rookie guys or younger guys like a Desmond Ritter who's in his second season or an Anthony Richardson who's a high-level draft pick. You know, rookie expected to, to do a lot of big things this season. Neither one is the starting quarterback, so you got Minshew and Heineke who didn't begin the season at the helm, and they're fighting for their shots right now. I, I think there are two teams that have running backs that – or have running games in general. It's not just one guy on each side, but running games that want to be properly utilized. I think the Colts did a great job. Gardner Minshew played a great game against Pittsburgh last week to try to get some of these guys that maybe uh, aren't getting as many reps because of the injuries that they suffered. Guys who who don't get the same amount of opportunities to perform at a higher level. And and frankly, the Falcons have had a really good roster this season uh, on the offensive end, especially, and just haven't gotten the most out of it. So, it's fascinating to see some of the storylines that are paralleled and, and see how different they can be as well for these two teams right now. Adam Amin's got the call, along with Mark Slareth and Christina Pink. That's Fox 59 here locally coming up on Sunday. You can check it out on Christmas Eve. And Adam's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What have you made here nationally of the story of the Colts from the research, the prep work you've done, just observing them from kind of the outside in on this matchup. What have you made of this type of season and where this Colts team is presently? I think impact plays on defense, even though the, even though they've, they've had some games where they've given up a lot of points, and obviously the numbers aren't exactly where you'd want them to be, especially relative to where they were a season ago. But they make impact plays, and that's the biggest thing I see from – 
from good playoff caliber teams is that they're able to generate a pass rush, generate takeaways through their pass rush. And I feel like that's something that the Colts have done over the course of, of the season overall. Uh, to have this type of pass rush without having to generate a lot of extra players on the rush, to, to be able to rush just for maybe once in a while bring an extra guy, uh, but, but not have to focus so much on bringing a fifth or sixth guy on a significant amount of plays and still be able to generate big plays on the quarterback and then errant throws that lead to a lot of takeaways, that's been really impressive to me. And, and that's something I felt like they did lack last season, even though they had similar talent. I feel like they've, they've really made a huge jump in that role, in that, in that uh, facet of the game. And then offensively, I mean, Shane Steichen, you know, he comes from a great spot in Philadelphia, and you never know what it's going to be like, right, when you get a really high-quality yep. coordinator who's had a really good reputation with quarterbacks and calling plays, but now you got to be the CEO, and now you got to run things. And I know Gus Bradley was much maligned last year on the defensive side, and he stays on staff. So you never really know what you're going to expect, especially in the modern era of coaching where the leash is not particularly long. Uh, I've been really impressed with Shane. You know, to navigate through the Anthony Richardson injury, to have to battle through some of the injuries on the offensive line, in particular Braden Smith. It looks like he's not going to be able to go again on Sunday with that knee issue. So to be able to do some of the patchworking that this team has done, not only at quarterback but at a couple of key spots, uh, I think this has been a really impressive effort, man. I I think D'Amico Ryans is probably my NFL coach of the year right now, but I think Shane has made an incredible case to, to be up there, uh, to have this Indianapolis team where they are, all things considered, especially the quarterback injury, I think has been really, really impressive. Yeah, you know what, Adam, too, you kind of kind of makes you wonder how these final three weeks of the season will kind of mm. play that out, too. Because, I mean, you, you look at the Colts right now, and, you know, obviously the matchups in the final three where they are, but, you know, C.J. Stroud likely not going to play for a second consecutive week. And, you know, that yep. they survived that with Case Keenum last week down in Nashville. But you wonder how survivable that is here moving forward. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that question plays out in the final three weeks of the regular season here. It's about as favorable as you could ask for, right? Right, man? Like, this is about as good as yep. you could ask for because you got a, a new quarterback coming in. I'm not, and Heineke started a couple of games already this year. They've both been losses, and his defense didn't play particularly well, and they made some mistakes in those games. But it's a different quarterback all of a sudden coming back in with a lot on the line for them. Las Vegas has been an up-and-down team, and I think Antonio Pierce has done a really nice job settling things down after the dreadful start. But, you know, that's a bad quarterback situation in Las Vegas right now. And you'd hope, you know, if you're a Texans fan, that C.J. Stroud is back by the time you get to Week 18. But who knows? And, and who knows where that – where that organization is going to be in the next like in the next two weeks, because like you said, you know they survived last week, but now you got Miles Garrett on the other side for Cleveland when uh, when Case Keenum gets ready to start. So who knows how that's going to play out? So this is about as favorable of a schedule as you could ask for. They're, they've won a lot of key games for tiebreak purposes. That the game in particular last week against Pittsburgh, and they got some help as well. So they're in good position. This is about as favorable of a setup as you can ask for to just win three games that are perfectly winnable games and get yourself not only to maybe you know not only maybe into the playoffs but maybe even compete to win this division depending on what happens with the Jaguars so this is this is a really good spot for a first year head coach that lost his starting quarterback this is really good this is good stuff in Indianapolis right it's uh, Adam Amin joins us at Fox again he Mark Slareth and Christina Pink 
with the call coming up on Sunday on Fox 59 here locally. You had no idea that you're hanging out. We're just kind of two Missouri Valley Conference dudes hanging out right here. You had no idea of that, <laughs> That's did what you? I like <laughs> you know, we're, we're, like we're Indiana the, State I'm, I'm right here, guy, by the way. Guy, that's, that's awesome. my, my Sycamores and Josh Shirts look really good this year, too. This, this is going to be a competitive year in the Valley, I think, by the way. And I have a lot of I – have, I have a soft spot in my heart for Terre Haute. I hope you realize that because – Oh, yeah. First, well, I'll tell you what, Adam. First, you and me, man, seriously. <laughs> next time you got some time, when they open up that casino in Terre Haute, you and me. <laughs> That's Seriously. Not play, brother. Like, first game I ever called in my entire life that was on the radio was, uh, was a college baseball game between Valpo and Indiana State in Terre Haute, <laughs> 9 nothing Indiana State. I only called the middle three innings as a freshman in college, and Indiana State scored all nine of its runs in those innings. They shut Valpo out 9 nothing, and I've been in love with doing the job ever since. So I've got a very soft spot in my heart for Terre Haute. Good Lord, that's awesome. I did an ISU baseball game back in 1993 on a spring break trip. We went down to Louisiana. We started it with the privateers of New Orleans, and we finished Mm -hmm. it at LSU, and they were like top five. And I had to do the LSU game from a payphone in the concourse. (laughs) (laughs) Just relaying stuff, man. Even I thought I had a bad just doing it over the over the you know the the landline phone with the bad uh, bad mixture with the phone uh, phone mixed into it. I thought I had a bad man. You were making it work as best as you could. Let me tell you this: when they get that casino done in early 2024, Terre Haute's going to become like the Monaco of Western Indiana. So be ready. All right. That's what I've always referred. I've always always referred to Terre Haute as such already. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like now. <laughs> Is uh, Zach Levine going to get traded before the trade deadline? I mean, obviously you do the Bulls games as well here. What are we looking at there? You know, I'm not sure if he's going to be traded. I, I There's a little bit of hope, I think, for Zach to come back with this group and see if he can implement himself into what's been a much better operation. They've won eight of their last 11 with without Levine and obviously for optics that doesn't look particularly good when you're trying to raise a player's trade value I don't know what the market is for Levine right now I do think there are a couple of teams that are in discussions I think the Lakers and the Kings have kind of been at the forefront of of those discussions but at least that's what's been reported here in Chicago but I do feel like if the market isn't there you don't have to trade him obviously it's not like he's on an expiring contract or anything like that, like he's still under your under your salary cap and all that stuff. So I wonder if, if he does stick around and comes back healthy, can he implement himself into what they've been doing? Because the, the, the pace of play, the ball movement has just been significantly better, and I hope a player as talented and as athletic as he is would kind of be able to figure out how to fit in with that right away. Otherwise, you know, it becomes, it becomes too much of a ball-stopping offense, and you don't want that right now, at least based on the results that we've seen this year. You know, you ever think about, too, Adam Amin joins us. Before I let you go, um, the, the broadcasters coming from Chicago, doing Chicago teams, and obviously you do the Bulls, you're on Fox. Um, that has been a who's who of greatness right there. That has to make you feel good that you're, you're now a part of that and, and upholding what has been just a longstanding tradition of great names, great voices, and great talent there. Man, that's got to make you feel great. It's really nice you to say, man, and it does. I, I, I thought about that the other day when, when I was kind of reflecting on a couple things. And, you know, just, just with the Bulls alone, Jim Durham and Wayne Larrabee and Tom Dore and oh. Johnny Red Kerr and, 
you know, going yeah. back to Jack, even Jack Brickhouse and, and everything, everybody who's done games for the Cubs, whether it's Harry Carey or Len Casper or Chip Carey or Steve Stone. There's just this, this great tradition. I'm, I'm thankful to be colleagues with my friend Jason Benetti, who's now going up to Detroit yeah. to, to be the new Tigers broadcaster, and he's one of my colleagues at Fox. It's, it's, I'm, I'm really thankful, man, and that's, uh, that's really kind of you to say because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great line of people that we've had in this city and, and with the Bulls and, and all yeah. the teams here in Chicago. I, it's really kind of you. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Joniak, and then you, you bring up oh, Larravee, too. Yeah. La- La- yeah, I mean, La- Larravee was one of my all-time favorites. I mean, he just – his voice, I mean, he used to obviously speak Chicago, but, I mean, really just in general – yeah, it's always kind of a big game voice, man, and I know you're following in those footsteps. Congratulations on all that too, because uh, that's that's pretty special being in that market in sports and and being able to do that and to have a great broadcast on Christmas Eve too down in Atlanta. We'll be watching here, obviously on Fox 59. Adam, great conversation. Have a fantastic holiday weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll catch back up sometime soon, especially when they open that casino in Terre Haute. <laughs> you and I are going to go over there to the Monaco of Western Indiana. Sounds like a plan. I'm looking forward to it. And you have a great holiday as well, my friend. I appreciate it. Adam, thank you very much. You got it, pal.